everyone. Welcome to Risk Roundup. Over the years, we have created tools that helped us to interact with the world around us. Now, we are developing the tools to help us interact with the world inside us. So as the nature of tools have evolved from physical to digital and now neural, our brain is effectively becoming the tool for interaction, communication, and influence. Now, while the innovations of cell phones, the smartphones, and the internet, and the social media platforms have their respective uses, they are in fact a stepping stone on the path to plugging our brains directly into the web. Now, although the primary system has been there for years, there is now a rat race to develop the next generation of the brain-computer interface. A brain-computer interface is basically an AI system, artificial intelligence system, that can recognize certain patterns in brain signals, both hardware and software communication system, that permits cerebral activity alone to control computers or any external devices that are connected. So please join me in welcoming Avinash Singh to Risk Roundup. Avinash is a researcher working, in fact, a postdoctoral researcher working at the Australian Artificial Intelligence Institute at the University of Technology, Sydney, based in Australia. He works at the intersection of machine learning, cognitive neuroscience, signal processing to design and develop real-world brain-computer interface systems. In addition to this primary research that he's very passionate about, he also actively supports and advocates transhumanism. Welcome, Avinash. We are so very honored to have you on Risk Roundup and Risk Group community, and I look forward to hearing your talk presentation on your research advances. Please, you know, share your presentation. Thank you, Jashree. Thank you for a nice introduction. Uh, let me start with sharing my screen, and then we can try to explain from there. Um, Let me know when you can see my screen. Yes, I can. Okay, perfect. So uh, again, thank you for a nice introduction, Jesse. And like you mentioned, I work in the intersection of uh, artificial intelligence, cognitive neuroscience to design and develop brain-computer interfaces. And this work I'm doing since last around six years. And recently, actually, from last couple of years, the brain-computer interface got quite hype. Maybe the reason is some of the big company jumping in on the board to develop and design the brain-computer interface. So what I'm going to give a short talk on uh, this discussion is that what is a BCI, what I'm doing in the BCI, and what kind of future prospect it can bring in coming years. So myself is Avinash, uh, like you mentioned from University of Technology. I also uh, founder and a member of India Future Society supporting transhumanism. You also mentioned a topic, which is a, like a future version of human using BCI and other technology. So thank you. Um, so start. let me start with a very brief, um, mentioning about very briefly about what BCI or in general cognitive neuroscience is all about. So brain is all about what we are, right? I mean, if you don't have memories, if you don't have experience, if you don't understand this and that, we don't have personalities, all stored in our brain, no other part. So essentially what we are, how we represent the world, how we look, at least that what we think is all because of our brain. And what what I whatever I'm saying now to you is also because my brain. <laughs> so brain is kind of... A, <clears throat> praising himself <laughs> using the brain thoughts. So this image is a very nice uh, BCI-based uh, glass project. It's called Glass Brain uh, from UCSD in USA, uh, which is uh, one of the, our collaborator I work with. So what I'm trying to show in this picture that what BCI is all about to catching this firing you can see in the orange here using some device from your brain. It could be implant device in your brain. You open the scalp, put the device inside, or it could be a invasive or non-invasive, which could be from the top of your head, like a simple headphone, and read the brain signal. 
So BCI is all, all about reading brain signal, interpreting and decoding it so that you can use for different things. So if I give a more formal definition, which is a nice uh, definition from one of the famous scientists in BCI. So this is how we work. The, if you see the number A, which is a normal functioning of human. We have cortex, which is basically our brain, uh, the top part of the brain, and this all process happen. And then we give a command to move our hand. For example, I'm moving my hand or see things around us or sense things around us and take action. That's very usual way to process information in our human body generally. But if we talk about BCI, BCI kind of jump from all this process and straight away connect our cortex to an action. So for instance, you want to grab an apple and let's say you have a robotic control in front of you. You just think about robot move toward an apple and feed you. That's what all about BCI. You don't need to move your muscles. You don't need to send a command to your muscles or other senses and straight away bypass all those connections and, and reach out to do the task. So essentially what you need is only your brain. Body work or not doesn't matter. So that's the potential of BCI as well. And that's why maybe it's in the hype because it has a potential impact which can fundamentally change every interaction we do currently. Like you and me talking now, this all could be go directly with the brain. I'm using my mouse and computer. This all can be happen with the BCI. And we drive the car, we interact with the phone, interact with the environment, interact with the other people. All could change if we change this way of setup of using BCI. What I do is a uh, quite of work I'm involved in the BCI. These are just a few examples. I have some short videos following this slide to just give a taste what I'm doing. So I'm working in quite of different BCI field. For example, I work in the BCI where I'm using BCI to control a robot. That's a very nice setup I'm going to show in the following slide. BCI for cognitive gaming. When I say gaming is more for entertainment purpose, of course, but also to develop a new skill like a BCI. BCI itself a kind of a skill for some people, or you can argue that in the research world. BCI for doing navigation, when you walk around, finding buildings, shop, restaurants, so how you can help them to navigate, this could be BCI as well. And more importantly, I want to highlight a BCI for human and agent teaming, when where the agent means a robot. So there's a BCI for that. It's a BCI that can bring them more closer so that you know human and the robot can work more collaboratively rather than as two independent units. So this kind of work I does. So you see there's quite a variety, but the common thing among all is a BCI, uh, which is my focus. I use different platform, try to do things, and current focus is more around human agent teaming, where I'm developing a BCI, or I should say neuroadaptive setup, that can synchronize human and robot. So let me give us some taste, uh, some of the work I'm doing with the help of some of the videos. This is a video about cognitive gaming I just mentioned. What happening here, user using his brain signal to control a very simple game, which everyone knows is a candy crush kind of. And you see, uh, you see these blocks in the red, this is all controlled by brain when they are start flickering, they start flashing and brain just instruct how to move them and they just start moving. So this is a one kind of BCI based on flickering. When you see flickering, you produce some signal and we just able to decode it. There's another kind of BCI within this video I will going to pop up soon. I also want to add that the purpose of this specific work I'm showing, uh, what we're trying to understand that how BCI can be retained for a longer period of time. How does it work? So we ask people to keep playing this game using brain and see how they develop their skill. So another example of BCI is attention. So when they keep focus on that, they are able to kill this specific monster in the green on the, on the right side of the screen. So this is a very nice example where cognitive gaming can be used with the BCI. Currently, what people 
or what other researchers do, they use cognitive gaming also to do a neurofeedback for people with certain disorder. For example, a disorder like a depression, a disorder like ADHD. So ADHD is a hypertension disorder where people. Another example is again, you can see people can think about moving left and right. And this power ball they have, uh, the robot have in the hand can drop into one of the object. So people use the game for lots of purpose of training purpose. I would say that's a major purpose where the game is used in the BCI currently in medical setting, but is going out from medical setting to more real world environment. Another example I want to show here is. Which might be more interesting how BCI can be used for controlling robot. In this example, what I'm trying to show if person have certain disabilities from top to down from neck down. He can just use the brain power to control and help him to feed himself and interact with the environment, things like that, which is very essential when you're stuck in the body which can't move and may be very, very helpful. So you see the robot is moving based on the thoughts. It's all wireless, so it's nothing connected wires with the wire. So this is the one. This all work is done by me and of course some of the students. So the robot you can see the feeding and these all are published work so always happy for uh, anyone watching it to read further about it so here the the user is just need to see certain option in the screen he's interested in and those options will taken care by the robot like i say feeding is a one of the tasks and actually one of the complicated tasks and robot is so precise to feed the user in this case you see uh, the user is wearing a something like a headphone on the head. And this headphone is what the extracting the brain information, sending wirelessly to the computer, and then computer is able to decode his commands. That's what happening here. So this is another very interesting example. Again, this is more for medical purpose. This is specific example, but think about extension of this like you and me. We can have an additional arm <laughs> with us to do multiple tasks uh, just by thinking of it. With one robot arm or two robot arm, or even could be a leg, a wheelchair, or driving car. Essentially, you can replace the robot with anything, and you can do the same task like you're doing here. So this is a this what we call this a BCI eating assistance system. This specific work. But you get the idea, I assume, what we are trying to do. Another example I want to show, like I say, human agent teaming. So what you see here is a one person wearing a bit uh, heavy kind of cap, white color with the red wires, which is so many sensors there because we just try to understand more in detail. And he's holding a robot, which is a semi-autonomous. So what does semi-autonomous mean? Robot is able to move so when you for example when you try to push the robot forward robot automatically understand that you are moving it forward and just move it more easily you feel like it's very light but actually robot is taking care of all those forces so that kind of work is called semi autonomous user need to interact with the robot but robot take care of the hard part and what we are or i try to do in this work is that make the user and the robot understand each other. I'm putting the brain signal in between. So what we are doing, we're developing artificial intelligence algorithm that can understand each other and make the robot compliance more as per your command. For example, I, I give you one interesting example here. You are, drive, you, you, you are used to uh, drive a certain kind of car, but when you switch that car to a new car, Maybe for a while you are a bit of need to adapt how the wheels moving, how hard grip is, how hard is the brake is, and how precisely the uh, the the accelerator can accelerate the car. I mean those all the factor you get adapted from one car to another car. This is the learning process we all the time have. But this this kind of technology it could be have instant effect. You instantly your car you are using maybe exactly adapted to you as you had the previous car. And that's the kind of work human agent teaming can does. Again, this is 
more for robotics purpose. Um, in addition to that, um, I think the last work, which is about workload, this is the work we did for air traffic controller, and we develop a BCI for them uh, so that air traffic controller is a task or job which is highly complicated and highly cognitive loaded. They need to constantly monitor airplane and based on monitoring, they need to decide who, which airplane can land, which can you know take off. Even there's a one minor mistake could be a very fatal for the people on the airplane. So it's, a, it's not just people could die. The job of that person, of course, will be also gone forever. So it's that kind of stress, that kind of workload they need to face every time. So that's the reason there's actually very few people interested in this job, interestingly, statistically. Uh, that's what I heard at least in Australia. I believe that's the status in everywhere in the world. So we try to develop a system again so that machine can take care more when the user or ATC officer cannot handle the task anymore or is overloaded. So we develop a system again using the same kind of device I just showed in the previous pictures. And this is just an example I'm showing you. How does it could work? This assume these dots are airplane moving around, landing, and we and user need to understand what's going on with certain dots as an airplane. And we are trying to measure his workload or her workload in real time. And using this information, we just send this to a, a system or dashboard he has or she has and adapt the interface a little bit or maybe ask more people to join him to help him in the task, things like that. So this is another great example of BCI. So you can see the variety of potential application with the BCI. Helping uh, people with disability to helping a work person to help in his job or her job. So that kind of work is potential. And this is just some example I'm, I'm providing. This is actually last example I have. <laughs> this is me, of course, <laughs> walking around the street, which is more latest technology is augmented reality glasses I'm wearing. If you see here, I just initially I mentioned navigation. This is all about navigation. So what I'm trying to develop a future of navigation in future I'm with the assumption that people might be wearing more like a glasses. The glasses have augmented reality capability like I'm wearing now. And you don't need a phone anymore. You can do things pretty much on the glasses. It's already on the development, but a bit far away from what I'm expecting. And when you do that, how to understand, you know, you can put a lot of information to user, lots of notification, email, everything in your glasses. But the problem is start where you, can you still understand those information? Can you process those information? Then again, the BCI can help. BCI is able to adapt how much you are able to process. So how much you need to see in the screen? What are the important? What is not important? And of course, all these tasks involve artificial intelligence in the background to learn, understand those signals. So these are the work I does uh, recently in last couple of years. These some of the work I'm showing you here. But the question is, like I mentioned in the first slide, why BCI is getting quite a hype recently, especially in last two years, why it becoming more important. So I think the reason, that's my understanding, reason is two big company, Facebook. Actually, they announced in 2017, they're developing a BCI for typing. I don't know how they're gonna utilize, but that's their announcement. I haven't heard much about it since 2017 to up to now, what is happening in the lab of Facebook BCI lab. But definitely they are doing something. Uh, for example, they are developing a, some kind of artificial skin. I don't know have anything with the BCI or not. But what I'm trying to say, BCI kind of company that can bring a lot of money in the field, lot of collaboration in the field, group people together who is interested in technology and kind of help to fuel this mission to develop a next generation of BCI. So maybe that's the reason the hype is big. And more importantly, of course, people everyone know Elon Musk, Neuralink. 
which is a fascinating uh, BCI development he's pursuing. Now think about the Elon Musk, which have quite an influence on every research as well as individual pursuing this kind of uh, uh, work for developing next generation of BCI. Of course, it impact every single one. Since the announcement of 2018, you can see uh, there's a significant increase in BCI work. People try to do, people try to understand, learn and, and seek. For example, uh, Neuralink have produced a video recently, which also everyone know, which is a ping pong, a monkey playing. Again, this is not very new thing. It's the very same as uh, I showed a robot video before. But the interesting part I'm trying to show here that a commercialization of technology, which make it more compact, more nicely, and, and let the monkey, for example, in this case, can do things by helping doing this. <laughs> I'm not going on through on this video because this is also publicly available, but I'm just trying to pose an example what's possible with the BCI. Last one, again, this is a bit old, but I want to highlight DARPA. I'm always fascinated by DARPA because DARPA is one of the only organization in the world so far that kind of breakthrough in the technology for everything, just pushing the boundaries. DARPA itself doesn't do anything, but they come up with the plan, technology, and the money, and ask academics all around the world to contribute and develop something out of ordinary, which is not possible. It doesn't matter as a robotics, doesn't matter as a neurotechnology or BCI, or a, a drug delivery method or genetic engineering, anything. So they also announced, so you can see the involvement, the still in the in the sea of research, that if this all organization jump in to contribute and push the boundary of developing BCI. So DARPA also announced in 2018 to develop next generation non-surgical neurotech. So you don't need to put in the brain, but you can do things outside of the brain. Control it, read it, decode it, like I, I just mentioned in the previous slides. So these are the reasons why might be a big jump in recent uh, development of BCI. Given that example, what happened uh, recently this year in 2021, there's a one research published, they develop a neurosome probes, which is like a very tiny nano sensor, can be inject through your blood. They can spread in your brain and start doing the BCI for you or help you do the BCI for you, which is a fascinating. Of course, this is a still concept stage, but why it happened? Just because those hype in the BCI and researchers start exploring it more than before. Another great example happened this year, actually the multiple work happened this year, where they able to decode the speech very precisely. You just imagine the speech and the BCI can able to speak for you. That's a fascinating thing, for example, people with uh, who's in the coma or who is in the paralysis who can't really do anything. Not just that, even people with like you and me again can communicate using this kind of device. And they showed this in the real time in the real world. Last one, this is very interesting one, although it happened in 2019, doesn't get maybe that much attraction. A BCI for multiple brain. So people can work collaboratively and make the multiple brain together to focus on one single task. It's also like a joining power of multiple brain thinking to do the things. And this all reason behind this is somehow I believe is those big hype, some big contribution of some big company like a Facebook and Neuralink, and even including the government like a US a DARPA project. Maybe that's the reason why the BCI is getting importance in recent time. But where are we going to see this technology in coming years? That's the question maybe everyone have. And I would say, although this is a bit old slide, a bit old picture, but it's still applicable. We're going to see BCI for every single thing we do from morning to evening, sleeping, including sleeping. BCI will helping you for controlling environment, playing games, your quality of sleep, your health evaluation, monitoring, controlling your driving or robot you have in your house, like a self-driving car like a Tesla, 
it can also help you detect emotion or people can detect your emotion and be, before they say anything they maybe check okay you are feeling happy or sad or what kind of feeling you have so that respond accordingly of course some kind of instruction for you so using same device for your own brain you can instruct your own brain again to do things in certain way and that is a kind of feature we are seeing in not far away just in five to ten years but of course i also look at how it looked like in a couple of more years um, a couple of decades so let's say in 2025 year which is i'm very interested in maybe it sounds more like a sci-fi but i think we're gonna see more what i call mind uploading kind of setup which is more of essentially what i'm trying to say more like a matrix kind of thing where you plug in your brain you are in completely new dimension new world more like a virtual reality uh, but that also means your brain uh, can brain information can be decoded and uploaded into some way in digital device or synthetic memory or even your memory can be extended that kind of possibility are there in next couple of decades i think but of course lots of progress need to be made but i am very positive about this the reason is given the machine learning progress in recent year progress in the devices we have everything has been accelerated in very high speed than ever before what we can do with machine learning with the help of them we can do much more investigation of multiple people just using one machine then that's not possible before so some work which may need take 10 years maybe can be done within a within a year just using with the help of machine learning so this kind of thing also possible of course there's a several limitation people can argue that i fully agree with that but I'm seeing that in that direction, those things are looking positive. So that is kind of my end of the slide. And thank you, uh, Jashree, to listening that and everyone else who's watching. So that's amazing, Avinash. There's such a great uh, work you are doing. And you gave us really good background on not only what you are working on, but also the other developments that are happening all across you know, nations. And especially the what you talked about, the uh, what could happen in 20 years where, you know, brain uploading would happen. I think we can, we would probably go beyond that and develop brain to brain communication. So brain net would develop and that would be pretty amazing because then, you know, you and I can just communicate through our thoughts exactly. and uh, we won't need any interface. You know, we won't have to speak. We won't have to have any smartphone or any computer in front of us. So that those advances are going to be pretty amazing. But what you shared about where the initial you know benefits and applications would be for healthcare you know especially you know that would be pretty amazing because uh, the video that you showed about you trying to navigate i was thinking about it that i i think i read somewhere that there is research going on where uh, blind people can navigate you know they can walk themselves because they can see through not only their glasses but also through the people who are in their vicinity who are walking through that data you know that would be transferred to their you know lens and they could you know walk uh, just like a normal person so there are pretty amazing advances happening and in security industry also you know communicating to drones and communicating you know to weapons using you know your brain computer interface uh, is you know pretty a uh, lot of advances are happening so it's not just brain computer interface but brain to brain interface is also you know there is a lot of progress happening in that uh, on that front and th that's all very exciting but now when it comes to ai because the every everywhere the at the core is the ai so the possibility of being connected to ai would mean that our actions will flow less from our own judgments and thoughts on what is in our best interest and more from what data and algorithms have decided is best for us. So do you see that this would be an obstacle, you know, in the adaptation and acceptance of this technology? Because everyone would, uh, you know, have this question that am I actually be giving command to, to you know, the computer interface or is it actually the AI that would be based on my trends and my patterns and all that be you know judging on behalf of me so do you see this shifting the human ecosystem uh, you know in terms of you know creating obstacles or you know do you see the products that uh, 
we develop are going to be focused a little bit more on see from security perspective. So the first one, definitely, I fully agree there's a problem. I mean, there's always a question, even though before AI that whatever we do is because we will to do or just influenced by people around us and we take that action. And of course, when AI is merged with the human brain in some way using the BCI, this might be again could be an issue, I believe. So what's going to happen, of course, like you said, maybe artificial intelligence actually taking half of your decision, right? For example, I showed you a robot, a semi-autonomous robot in my slide. Technically, that robot is taking decision on your behalf. When you try to move in certain direction, robot taking care of that remaining direction. So you're not taking that action consciously, but robot is kind of driving toward that action. It's like a taking over what you are thinking. But the same thing, maybe, okay, this is aligned with what human is thinking, but with AI could do much more, where maybe you are not necessarily thinking and something you are thinking which is maybe not so correct according to artificial algorithm. And then AI maybe manipulated it and just represented it completely different way. Yes, yes. And that's that's kind of risk. I fully agree. That's a risk. But to to help out that risk, there's also quite of development. Uh, development, not just try to understand how this impact to us. For example, I, I give you an example here, Facebook, uh, not just Facebook, uh, Amazon or any shopping uh, or online store, they have lots of recommendation. Once you click on certain product, let's say a mobile phone, they have a bunch of mobile phones showing to you, right? This is called recommendation system. They recommend to you what they need. But after some time, you're stuck in that loop. It's just showing you only mobile phone all the time, unless you still you want to see other stuff, but it's not showing you other stuff because you're stuck in the loop that mobile phone is your interest according to algorithm. That's a flaw of algorithm actually. It does not able to give you a flavor of stuff, but it's just stuck in the loop because you just click in one single a phone, a phone device on the online store. Same gonna happen with the brain. But like I said, research is happening where they're trying to understand how this kind of, is more of security point of view, how the adversarial, adversarial attack or adversarial information or corrupted information or influencing kind of information, like a false information, can make your brain understand and process it and maybe your BCI or maybe artificial intelligence interpret it different way. This is a research happening try to visualize and understand this factor and see their relation. So I would say there's a hope how it's gonna happen, but at the same time, there's also risk, yes. how it may be interpreted in the future. So, so um, yeah, I mean, but answer is yes. You're right, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done because we are still in the very early stages and we are trying to understand how to optimize the process so that all these risks can be minimized. But yeah. there's also, see, I mean, when we talk about navigating the autonomous cars using our brain, uh, the potential of these brain-computer interface technology is enormous. I mean, we know that because AI is uses a combination of brain waves and sensor data to uh, work out what to do and what will happen next. So when we talk about the autonomous cars, uh, if AI takes over, let's say, you know, by just our very thoughts, you know, so let's say first I got a thought that, okay, I want to take a right turn. And then, you know, I say, no, 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 I don't want to go there. I want to go here. Let me take a left turn. So these are very complex scenarios that would emerge, right? Because we are not, humans are not very decisive in, you know, a lot of things that they do. Every second, their thoughts change, not for everybody, but for a lot of people. So in those conditions, how would we train AI to, you know, understand which thought to, you know, focus on? Because it could, you know, trigger accidents if we, if AI doesn't know which thought to, you know, focus on for navigation. So how would this work? So uh, for that, I just want to add here. So currently we have some kind of BCI called Motor Imagery BCI. The purpose of BCI, you, you gave excellent example, is about thinking left and right, up and down. You can think in your hand is moving left or right, and BCI able to interpret those commands and take action for you. 
but let's say what exactly you mentioned. You thinking, but you know, brain is too, uh, too dynamic, right? It's not like a mathematical algorithm, fixed number. It's not. Right. It's just right. too dynamic, too un unpredictable in certain cases. Exactly. Exactly. So what in the BCI we does? We we put one additional command unconsciously from user where we try to understand if you user really want that. So just happening. Interactive, the AI will ask you that, are you sure you want to take a right turn or are you do you want to take a left turn? Is there a communication happening or is it just uh, AI interpreting based on the pattern, the way so brain it, it, It's hidden more in the brain pattern, I would say. So this, this part of the brain, which is a more executive function, more decision making happen here. But the left and right happening more on the backside, which is called motor uh, cortex where the motor activity happen or thinking about motor. So once we know motor activity saying left and right, you maybe have multiple other thoughts. We also look at the executive function. If user is really want that or not. And that too is not interactive, but it's, it's still from the brain signal. But we use these two different brain signal to kind of, I would say kind of match this information together before we take that action for the user. So. So that's how it works. But of course, this is a very simple example. If we see more in future, there could be more complicated thing. But the good thing is that brain is also have different reason of the brain and different reason of the brain process different stuff. Of course, they're communicating with each other. There's a possibility you can interact with other reason to verify it's just a thought process and a dynamic thought process or yours is a it's a correct command you really want the robot to do. And let's say robot or artificial intelligence not able to judge that, then still it can prompt you to confirm rather than just take action. Right. So that kind of thing can be done to minimize this, I believe. Right, and we can also put some controls in place, right? Because um, if this unwanted thoughts uh, are, driving some second guessing of the decision. Not only that, but also some unwanted thoughts are sent to our brain by brain hacking, right? That also is a real possibility because now hackers could get into anybody's brain uh, and uh, they can give some command that uh, was not originated by the user. So there would need to be some sort of, you know, controls in place that can differentiate between the genuine thought of, uh, you know, making uh, taking a decision or somebody else you know taking decision for you so i think that a lot of research would need to be uh, yeah. you know conducted in that area because there are a uh, uh, lot of you know serious uh, security risks that could emerge but when you are developing your products how are you i mean uh, you showed me some really cool things you know that was very impressive uh, you know the, with the spoon feeding and all that so a lot of old age people they will get a lot of help, you know, young children also, they can get a lot of help. So this is, uh, these are some very interesting, you know, developments that are happening in your laboratory. And I really uh, find it very interesting. So have you filed any patents on these? And uh, are you planning to commercialize any of these technologies? Well, that's a, that's a good question. So some of thing, especially the sensor and algorithm has been patented. But the technology, this is more, you can say, this is more an application of those patent algorithm and sensor. So we don't really patent the application and that's open for everyone. People can redevelop it, create it, and even do the use. And that's actually always, I think, somehow the purpose or mandate of the funding we are getting from, just some of this, because how that's how lab work. We get funding, we do research, and, and then keep driving things. So sometimes it's a mandate of the funding that required us to make it open source, but some of time we can even patent it and sometimes it's a mix of both things. So this is open, I would say, uh, there's no patent. And if you talk about commercialization, so this work, the one I just showed you about robot, we did in the Taiwan, Taiwan. And in Taiwan, this work is funded by a company called Foxconn. Foxconn is the same company who built iPhones. It's the mm -hmm. largest company in the world. Actually, all iPhone built by them. <laughs> so they are behind the scene of uh, iPhone. And they developed this to commercialize it. They funded us, of course, and they want to commercialize this thing. 
And there's a thing happening. They're already helping some disability people with this kind of technology. But of course, it is still required. So we are researchers. We don't really develop a commercial product. We develop a concept, idea, demonstrate it, it work. But we still need another stage where the product can be refined and you know make it more clean, nicer interface and everything so that they can be used by a actual end user who need a very refined product rather than a research project. So they are taking care of this for, for example, that one. Another I showed you like a augmented reality navigation. Actually navigation is super interesting uh, research itself. And why I'm saying that because I'm not sure um, you know, but uh, the the researcher who did the navigation research a while ago in 2013, he got a Nobel Prize. Why? Because brain have a, itself a compass, a specific compass in the brain, which drive you where you're going. We call it a grid cell. It's a kind of a neuron cell, which is embedded. It's like a hardware, a piece of hardware we embedded in the brain. And that help us to navigate. That's not just that. People who might have poor navigation ability, they are more prone to develop Alzheimer kind of problem or memory related problem when they get old. So this is very correlated. And actually navigation is so fundamental for every single species on the earth that if you can't navigate, you can't do things, right? Like birds, sea animals, everything. So navigation for the brain is that important and maybe that's the reason why our our lab is also quite investigating in that field and we try to develop a technology i mean you use gps i use gps like a google G, google gps and gps of course help you to navigate optimally and efficiently but technically when you navigate in that way you lose your own ability because you rely on the phone or rely on the device so what we're trying to develop something in middle. We want to give an ad which can help you to navigate, but we want to give it very minimal level that you can able to secure your ability to navigate. So the example I was showing is not very traditional navigation with the augmented reality, but it's a kind of some middle ground where we were able to retain the navigation ability while you're using that kind of navigation uh, ad for yourself at the same time might be helping when you get old to avoid you have any other kind of memory problem so no i think you you brought up a very important point and if you can share that paper with me i would really like to read that sure. about navigation but the point that you made about our brain's ability you know to lose the you know navigational feature if we don't use it i mean if we don't use it we lose it we all know that so over the generations if we all depend on GPS and we stop using our brain's, you know, inherent navigational capability, then we might lose it. And then, you know, what else we will lose? We will have to uh, understand that a little bit more in depth because there are serious consequences to uh, our technology dependence that could emerge in the coming years uh, or rather coming, you know, uh, decades and centuries. We will have to be very uh, closely watching that. But that's that's something you know very interesting what you are working on i would really like to see where it goes and uh, as far as your personal passion and your desires and goal where do you want to see your research going from here what would you like to see developing and uh, that would make you happy that your all these years of work you know has able to you know t- is able to take you to where you want to reach for your end goal and uh, to reach there what are there any obstacles or challenges that you are face, facing that uh, you would like to be able to solve that so that you can focus on your you know research wholeheartedly that's a that's definitely a- very good question and and i would say i mentioned uh, i mean you also mentioned transhumanism let me explain a bit of about that. Transhumanism is all about a movement. It's a transhumanism. I mean, we are the human and transhumanism, and there's a posthumanism. We are the stage in the middle. We are moving with the help of technology and evolving together with that technology to become posthuman. Or I also like to call it human 2.0. 
so <laughs> so our extended version and the version what it kind of may able to sustain or contain is enhance certain skills enhance cognition enhance your vision for instance you can also install certain kind of uh, external devices for example you can extend your memories you can you have strong control over your body you can even replace your body mind uploading kind of thing could be there where digitally you can even go somewhere you can even replace your body with some other body if it allow in the future but that's like a far-fetched future of course not happening very soon but that kind of thing i have in the mind and that kind of big picture i'm projecting of course there's a lots of ethical issues i'm not talking about that there's also lots of concern there's a lots of other uh, questions always people ask i'm not uh, saying about of course there's a lots of thing to discuss and understand but as a scientist as a researcher for me for maybe other scientists as well they want to see this happening they like to see this like uh, they are growing with that and once they're able to achieve that that make them very happy that's what i'm also uh, hoping and my my initial passion somehow come from movie like a matrix to be honest which fascinate me a lot which is i mean people don't focus there's a bci but it's all about bci actually yes, it is it is so you connect with the brain you download the skill like you know very instantly how to you know fight you know very instantly how to know this and that right this is the movie is all about that and that kind of thing i'm hoping to achieve if i can in my lifetime to to have such ability that's i want to see but of course like again <laughs> there's a lots of concern like you also mentioned uh, information can be uh, corrupted you have false information hacking this and that all possible now the question next question is that can i achieve it if there's any hurdle for me of course there's a, always a hurdle but there's a reason why i'm in academic world because academic world in my understanding is more free world compared to working for a, a company company you work but you focus on the goal they have but when you work as an academic you focus on the goals what you have of course you need to be bit aligned with the other policy of your own university or research institution but you still can manage to do things what drives you and that's what i'm trying to do now hurdle of course there is always a hurdle that uh, i always need a support financially uh, from grants institution who provide the scientific grant for people like me or people like my lab professor and other people so i'm highly depend on that at least at this moment so i want to reduce such hurdle by uh, creating my sort of my own company who can commercialize certain stuff what i'm doing so that i can have you know backup earning coming in and i want to use that earning to develop the passionate goal i have so that kind of model i have in the mind actually i already initiated taken action towards that and there's also some institution i am part of they also supporting me for that kind of goal so that's how i am working and going toward what i want to do no i i i hear you and i mean these are the challenges lot of researchers are facing you know all over the world and we should talk after the you know session is over and the recording but do uh, the point that you made about seeing your vision you know and where you want to go i think it's absolutely uh, fascinating and i think you will be able to by your story you will be able to inspire lot of young brilliant minds like you who are uh, trying to decide where to focus their energy and skills uh, to you know better our future collective future because whatever advances we make for instance you know if we are able to download knowledge like you know you shared in uh, what happens in movie matrix you know any skills that you can immediately get by downloading all that information that would be pretty amazing we can learn so much because our human brain as such you know the reading textbooks and books and it takes a lot of time to grasp the knowledge and understand it and extract the information and intelligence it's a time consuming process and not everybody is able to extract that in the same manner so if we can develop a process by which we can feed this intelligence 
and skills, you know, language and, you know, mathematics and science and all of that to, you know, uh, countries where people did not have, you know, access to education system and uh, things like that. That would be so amazing. We can, you know, all grow in parallel. So those are amazing advances to have. And if you are able to develop that, I would love to help you, you know, commercialize that and get you the investment that you need. I would work with you on that. These are amazing, amazing things to do for the, uh, you know, our collective future. So I hope that you are able to do it. But the last question is, what would you like to tell those young, brilliant minds all across nations, the students, you know, in high schools and colleges or doing PhD program that, uh, you know, where they could uh, focus on, you know, what areas that you think they should be working on as far as the brain computer interface and overall, you know, a technology field goes, uh, where, do, what would you like to tell them? My always a single message to anyone um, whoever asked this question that do what you love. That's very, very important. Of course, when you are in the school or high school, you may not know what you really love and that moment. Maybe you need to go. Uh, I mean, juggle between different topic, different subject. That's fine. But actually, you still kind of always attracted toward what you really inspire you and you really want to do. And most importantly, to keep that dream and keep that energy focus, what you love, let's say you like art, I don't know, you like a science or you like a computer science to develop a software, AI, try to see a big picture far and as much as possible for you. That really helps you to drive. Because if you don't see what this technology translates into in the future, it may demotivate you after a certain time because of certain news or certain things happening around you. But if you see a bit further picture, a big picture, I called it, which is sometimes people not able to see and they're demotivated. Even you are artist, even you are psychologist, even you are philosophical person, doesn't matter what you are, you're just writing, you can still have that big picture which gonna impact the world in bigger way. There's always a big part of whatever you do, reflect in the future with the big picture. So that's very important. So do what you love and try to visualize it in the far future, how it may gonna translate and focus on that goal to do what you are doing currently. I think that helps a lot. Yes, definitely. I think that is a good advice and uh, that is a good message to all those brilliant young minds all across nations. And I hope that you'll be inspired by Avinash's story and his passion and his research. There is a lot of potential to brain-computer interface, the work that Avinash is doing. So feel free to reach out to him. Uh, I, I will you know, share his contact details on our website. So you can reach out to him and join his research, collaborate with him, you know, help him in whatever way you would like to. But, you know, definitely help each other for the our collective uh, future. So thank you so much, Avinash, for participating in Risk Roundup today. We appreciate your thoughtful insight into the research trends of brain uh, machine, brain computer interface, especially your work. You know, it's very uh, inspiring. And our global viewers and listeners will benefit tremendously from what you had to say today. And as a result, this Risk Roundup dialogue has been of service. And we thank you for that. Thank you, Jayashree. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for participating. So Risk Group is a strategic security risk research platform and community. Through the Risk Roundup initiative, Risk Group and I are on a mission to talk with the billion brilliant minds like Avinash. The reason behind this effort is to research, review, rate, and report strategic security risk facing humanity. Thank you for being part of the conversation. Until next time, I'm Jayashree, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.